Hey y'all, welcome to Repent, Revive, Redeem. We hope you enjoy this new episode. And as always, you know, subscribe, follow us on Spotify, and we hope you enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's, going to be a grand old time. All right. Enjoy the episode. And we're live. Welcome back to Repent, Revive, Redeem, Revive. No, sorry, Ryan. Ryan said something that was kind of, <laughs> kind of funny. I haven't listened to the first three episodes yet. That's all right. That's fine. Most people haven't. <laughs> yeah. My, Michael Weidman has. I'm pretty sure. That's true. Shout out to my dad. <laughs> so welcome back. It's been two weeks. Yeah, now, since the last episode, and oh boy, oh shoot, have things gotten crazy? Crazy. Corona just bah, yeah hit you hit you real hard, dude. I told you guys not to eat bats, and look what happened now. Yeah, we were making fun of people eating bats, like our first episode. That that was a that was the marriage episode. So that that was, was that was that was the episode before this episode because. We knew Corona was happening, but we weren't expecting it to be this bad. So that 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 that's a little slightly that that joke seems slightly out of touch now. But in fairness, we didn't know how bad it was at that at that point. Stock market's cl- crashing. Everybody's displaced. Everybody's cooped up indoors. Everyone's singing the indoor song from SpongeBob. Man, like what the heck is going on, man? Crazy. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, we're back. We're more alive than ever. Sort of. <laughs> we're tired, though. All of our friends are back home. Mm-hmm. A&M has shut its doors, except for being online. Yeah. We got kicked out of the prayer room officially, so the meditation room is no more, but it's in limbo. So we have the meditation room, uh, or the prayer room coming here, and then... And then Chad's RV, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is just wild. It's crazy times. It's biblical too. I mean, a lot of people are just like they get so comfortable with where they are, especially in America, to the point where <laughs> and there goes Josh Brown. Josh Brown leaving the middle of the podcast. Sad day. I miss that man. That's all right. But people get so comfortable and so complacent with where they are that. They have no need for God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like that, their lives are turned upside down just from a pandemic, a virus. Mm-hmm. All their idols come crashing down around them, and people are scrambling, and the fake faces that they put on when they're comfortable come off and everybody's true colors are shown. Mhm. Yeah, that's what I was reading something earlier today. And this is in Psalms chapter 11 and it's if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And so we see at like, times like this when everything starts getting tough, it's everything just stripped to its stripped to its core. And I think Eli gave us like an update video about like what we're planning on doing in Kyle and stuff and at one point he said people are describing it as surreal. He's like, But really this is just like it's kinda like an onion. Like this is what this is what like this is what the world's like at its core. Like the fear and everything that's here that we're displaying. Like that's what this is what the world is built off of. We just pretend like it isn't most of the time. This is just kind of exposing that like true nature where you're just like, shoot, 
Like, is this really what we're building our lives on? Like, economic stability and this and that, because, like, all that stuff is fleeting. Gone. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, what do you have to say about that? I walked away for a second, and I kind of didn't hear what Jared was saying. <laughs> well, more so, I thought you were looking at something over there. I, I thought you were looking gonna, at something. You got something to say then? Uh, sure. And Second Corinthians one, it talks about suffering with Christ, and uh, comfort abounds through that. So we can either, during this time, isolate ourselves—not social distancing, but become hermits—and um, suffer that way from <laughs> our own self-choices, or we can choose to stay faithful to what Jesus is calling us to do and suffer for his sake. And it talks about the more we suffer with Christ and for Christ, the more that we're able to be comforted and grow closer to God. So there's big opportunity personally and as a as a body in this this time. I don't know what y'all said, though. No, no, that, that, was, that was good. <laughs> that was good. So what is the definition for suffering in y'all's mind? Suffering. I think it would just be almost any cost incurred. But I, I would I would I guess reserve suffering for more so like significant cost. Like if a a cost a price of great consequence would be a suffering, something that you have to pay a great price for would be suffering for something. And I think it could add on top of that. Jesus endured the cross with joy and sure he suffered. He got he got scourged, he got nails through his hands, his feet, crown of thorns on his head, pushed down and beat with rods and he suffered through that, but he saw joy through it because he saw the end result of the suffering. Um, so just to take what Jared said and add a little bit to it. Man. Yeah, you could say like that suffering is either having something you don't want or wanting something you don't have. <laughs> right? Because when people were like, oh man, like that guy's got you know, such a nice car, such a great life. Man, I wish I had that. You're, like, discounting your own life, right? And you're, quote-unquote, suffering because you wish you had that. Likewise, if you were to contract the coronavirus and you have something that you don't want, you're like, man, I don't want this virus cough, right cough, now. Cough, 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 Corona, corona, cough, corona. Exactly. You're like, man, I just, you know, don't want it. Mm-hmm. So, Ain't nobody got time for that. Oh, so, uh, yeah. Well, we got plenty of time now. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting because we're talking about, like, suffering and how it drives us to the foundation. Because it's like, that's the thing that we as humans know we have to preserve is the foundation. And so I think it's going to be interesting in this time, especially for, like, Chi Alpha especially. Like, its ministry was built off the idea of small groups. And so here we see him especially in Brazos County where they've banned gatherings of more than 10 people, we see this getting cranked to its, like, the extreme settings of the, like, of that extent. And it's interesting because, like, if God wants to build something, he's going to build it on something that lasts. Like, he's not going to waste his time doing, like, building ministries off, 
off of people that are lukewarm and stuff like that. And so it's interesting because like we see this time as a time of fear, especially a lot of ministries like, oh, we're losing people, like attendance is dropping, like this and that. But at the same time, the people that stick around are going to be the people that have the firm foundation that God can build off of going forward because they have their, the individuals have their foundations in Christ and it's the Christ-founded individuals that you can build like a beautiful ministry off of. Yeah. Well, just relational discipleship in, in general. Like, I think for this time, like, when it's uh, ordinance that you cannot gather with more than 10 people, and uh, in Brazos County, that's like what it is right now. It's, it's You can't gather with more than 10 people in a crowd. In other places, it's 50. Um, but anyways, like, this is like, in America right now, for the church, it's, they're basically experiencing what it's like around the rest of the world house you know, churches house churches and it's just like you know people gather like in you know groups of 10 all over the world but now it's just like as you know Americans who are so used to comfortability and honestly complacency and just going to like you know your Sunday service every every weekend or you know you have a Wednesday night and you meet with like 20 or or 50 or more people it's just like it's normal mm-hmm. but now it's like I kind of can't do that anymore. Otherwise, in Brazos County, you can get, you know, fined up to a thousand dollars or thrown Correct. into the, thrown into the jail, uh, for no more than 180 days. So it's just like, man, like we're really kind of experiencing, you know, what the the rest of the world is experiencing with, you know, you know, the way the we're having to format everything. Huh? Yeah. I said the way we're having to format everything. Yeah, like our organizational structure is having to get flipped very much into. How they like how the rest of the the world organizes their churches, and the thing is, those churches work, and like we know that because like there's there's churches in countries that are like thriving because like they run off this model, and so it's just it's interesting though because like we we get freaked out, we get scared by it, but like we should still have hope because we know if like God's at the core of what's going on, like we shouldn't be afraid if we're meeting with two or three people and talking about Christ or from meeting with two or three hundred people and talking about Jesus, you know? Mm. Either either way, if Christ is at the center, like, the the other people that are in orbit with you shouldn't matter that much. That's true. It's very true. Man, it's like... It's kind of like also, like, judgment to an extent. Would you guys say? <laughs> yeah, I... You know what I mean? Uh, it, yeah, like, I have, I have a couple of... The verses pull up right here from Second Chronicles. Um, so Second Chronicles chapter seven says, um, "When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command or command the locusts to devour the land, or or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and for and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive." to prayer made in this place and it's kind of it's i wouldn't say weird but in ver- that first verse when it said when when the lord says when i shut up the heaven and there is no rain australia experienced probably their worst like wildfire in history right when i command the locusts to devour the land there's currently a plague of locusts all in africa moving up the middle east and into china as we speak and then send pestilence among my people 
or another word is an epidemic or disease. And what are we experiencing right now? A pandemic. Mm-hmm. Where the whole world is flipping out because this thing is so contagious and right now uh, has about a 4% mortality rate mm-hmm. that it has the world flipped upside down. So you got three things right there that just happened that has happened in within the last three months in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. That following verse, which has been quoted so much over the last week and a half, right? If my pe- people who were called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. It's mm-hmm. God's people. God's people. Mm-hmm. If God's people will humble themselves. Not everybody. If God's people. Yeah. That's one thing that I'm, I've been thinking about this the, the past few days, and the analogy doesn't hold up completely. It breaks down at a certain point, but uh, the word convection comes to mind. And whenever you heat up a room with warm air or you're heating up a, a water pot, the the water starts to stir around because the hot water rises and the cold water falls. And the cool thing about that is that whenever the hot water rises, it displaces all the cold water and the lukewarm water, and it makes it shift and move. So it, it um, in a way, it starts to uh, get displaced and exposed, and it, it can't stay where it was at. So like y'all were talking about earlier, you can't meet in your church of 50 or 100 people, and now it's... Uh, there are these, um, I, I don't know if a lot of churches are doing house groups, but there's a lot of online stuff, and this is a good opportunity for that the coldness and the lukewarmness to get a light shined on in those areas to, to deal with them, like God's people, to humble, to pray, to seek, and to turn from the wicked ways. Um, to it, repent. Yeah. Honestly, it's just like, there's no room for lukewarmness anymore. Yep. It's honestly a sifting of God's people. Mm-hmm. It's like pay dirt, where you get a you get a a sifter, you get dirt pay dirt, which is just regular dirt with some gold in it, and then you just add water, and you sift it, and the dirt falls through the sifter, and the gold stays. And that's honestly what's going on right now with the church. You'll see you're, you'll see a lot of lukewarm people just drop off entirely, become cold or hot. See a lot of people who who you know go to church, you know, not regularly, don't not have a a relationship with Jesus or anything like that, just leave and and honestly that's what it is. And honestly, like those who are are consecrated and totally yielded to Jesus are just becoming more refined and purified because they know how to react in a time like this. Right? And a good thing like what we heard last on Sunday the last church service for I don't know how long it'll be, like in person church service, right? I was doing little giants. <laughs> Eli was, Eli basically told us that we needed to repent not only for our own motives, our own things, but for our nation, for our people. Because it's not just us that, you know, is being are being judged. It's everyone around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, what you were talking about in Second Chronicles kind of reflects something I read in Jeremiah. It's like this is like the before I know the plans I have for you section, and essentially he's like, yeah, I have plans for peace for you, but at the same time he's telling them this right before 
Jer- like Jeremiah is literally warning the people in Jerusalem. He's like, if you, like you guys can't run from judgment. Like you guys are getting snatched by Babylon, no matter what we do. At this point, he's like, so we can either obey God and have peace in the captivity, or like we can try and run, and then just like be bitter in our time in captivity. And so it's interesting because like not even Jeremiah escaped the captivity like jeremiah was like part of the group that ran off to egypt and got captured and he he got dragged along with him but jeremiah still was was still just as much as part of the people as everyone else even though he he was voicing a different like he believed in something different than everyone else he still was accountable for for all of it and i think we lose a lot of that corporate responsibility especially in like the idea of like america as like this free nation in sense with like the individualities but like we as Christians are just as responsible for the moral state of America as anyone else is just as much as the political activists are and the the apathetic and the and the abusers and the drunkards of the world we're just as responsible for like what moral state our nation is in and it's scary sometimes to see how bad of a job we've been doing stewarding that. So Yeah. And on top of Jeremiah too, also in Daniel nine, uh, he uses the word we and us a lot. And there's before that there's no account of him having any moral imperfection. Um he's identifying with the people. And then in Exodus thirty two uh, right after the golden calf, Moses was up on the mountain with the Lord uh, getting the Ten Commandments. Then God's like, hey, go down. These people have been doing some silly things. And it says, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. They have made gods of gold and for themselves. But now if you will only forgive their sins, but if not, erase my name from the record you have written. So he identified with Israel, even though he was just up there. Uh, on Mount Sinai with God in all his glory up there um, with the mountain still burned to this day from that um, yeah. and he identified with it even though he wasn't even there physically yeah. to be with the people while they were making it yeah. God I know you know that I didn't do it but please tell me that you know that you know that I didn't do it <laughs> now I don't feel as bad kind of thing like you know I was up there with you kind of thing it's just interesting like as a whole dude that's crazy (laughs) so the question comes to bear okay can justice (laughs) exist without mercy likewise can mercy exist without justice no (laughs) why not oh you go for it Ryan okay (laughs) yeah I thought you were about to talk um so whenever it comes down to it, this is these are still working thoughts that aren't really refined yet. So it, it's not going to sound all po- poetical and wrapped up in a bow. But um, if you have mercy without justice... Okay, so in the beginning, before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no need for mercy. But there was also no need for justice on behalf of the humans. Um, now in the angels... Uh, Satan had already been cast down. Jesus said, I, I saw him fall like lightning. Like that one song, Strike the ground of the world. <laughs> um, press forward, press forward. Yeah, so oh, justice had already been served to the angels and that followed Satan and to Satan himself. He'd, he had a lot of knowledge and he had been 
uh, he chose to go against that and to try and exalt himself above God. So justice has always existed. Um, and with Adam and Eve, there was no reason for it to be expressed until sin. Um, we know from Genesis the curses that that came from sin coming in. You, you'll, you'll toil. <laughs> you'll toil at the Stella. Uh, <laughs> no, it's never again. It's, oh, it's an institution. That's Donnie Donzo. We're it's, not yeah. doing that again. It's interestingly enough, an institution is suffering. Like, like God gives them suffering, but not as an unnecessary cost, but the suffering is actually in itself a mercy, <laughs> which is very weird to think about because we, we normally wouldn't think about suffering as mercy. But like in this moment, it was because if they weren't working, if they weren't toiling, if they weren't in pain, how much more time they would have had to do things so much worse than what they mm-hmm. than what we do. So. And then after they sin, it's cool because we do we don't even, we don't just see the uh, the curses that come from selfishness. We also see mercy because God wrapped Adam and Eve in clothes to cover their nakedness. So that's God saying, whether that's grace or mercy, uh, that's a good question. And maybe I'll talk about that next podcast. But he showed them something that they didn't deserve um, by clothing them from their nakedness. They tried to hide under the fig leaves. But God's like, yeah, that's not going to work, dude. <laughs> Let's take, get y'all some real that, clothes. Yeah, yeah. Some and he even made, that's the first sacrifice right there. Yep. The first sacrifice to a foreshadow to what he was going to do. On the cross, yeah, the the lamb who was slain for the sins of the world. It's interesting because we were talking about this a little earlier about the like mercy's reliance on justice, and it was essentially we were essentially it became a thing where mercy was an extended it's an extent of justice. Like you can have justice, and then like mercy's like justice plus (laughs) kind of thing. Like you can't you can't really have you can't really forgive someone for something that's not wrong, so mercy wouldn't would be worthless and meaningless without justice. And so, like you see, you see justice as a necessary condition for mercy, but then mercy is by no means obligated by justice. Because if it was obligated by justice, it would just be justice. So <laughs> those are some big words. <laughs> um. <laughs> mercy mercy no <laughs> that means sorry in french <laughs> anyways uh <laughs> yeah mercy if you take justice oh mercy would be pointless without justice just like he was saying um if you you can <laughs> i don't know about y'all but i would rather experience mercy God's mercy than God's justice. Um, praise God. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> that, that he saves, yeah. Um, so experience is different from understanding. And we're not talking about experiencing mercy because uh, his mercies are new every morning. Um, his mercies we don't even end. understand, yeah. Yeah, there are. Just us waking up is a mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're talking about the understanding portion of it. And it, it just doesn't. In light of who God is, it would it would make no sense. It would, it would turn mercy into apathy. It's like, 
you'd say, oh, somebody was doing something bad. Somebody just shot somebody. Um, that's a bad example. We might need to cut that part out now. <laughs> um, if you take justice out of mercy, then it leads to apathy because um, you're saying, I don't care what other people do because there's no system to punish. Uh, so say I punch Jared right now. And he could eat... Oh, I actually did on accident. Maybe. Purpose, kind of. <laughs> uh, and he... If he punched me back, then he'd be doing justice. But... Okay, yeah, that's a stupid example. No, no, I like that. It was, But I could... I could tell Ryan instead, like, hey, that wasn't nice, you shouldn't do that, and the justice would still be there. Like, there could still be a potential for consequences... But at the same time, it wouldn't be inflicting the punishment, which would, in its nature, be mercy. He just wants to heap burning coals on my head. That's it. He yeah. Did, he didn't punch me back. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's it's a. Uh, it's interesting, like the, the way like God tries to get us to understand justice versus mercy, because like He has to make us. Like, there has to be knowledge that you did wrong for mercy to occur. Because, like like you said, if not, it's just, it's apathy. Like, there's things that we, that God graces us with, like, that that there's mercy that God gives us every day that we don't care about because we don't know about it, you know. And so we need, we need the understanding of justice that, like, gee, I really am, as as Jonathan Bryce would say, turd number one. (laughs) And I really do deserve everything that's coming for me, but I don't get it and that's that that's how we truly understand god's mercy and that's it's just an interesting false because like if we if we didn't understand the the reality of our damnation we wouldn't we wouldn't understand the reality of salvation either yeah, so that's, that's good. a great way of putting it wow crickets <laughs> mic drop that that's how powerful that was that's crazy So you can re- definitely re- relate that back to Second Chronicles. Yeah, because <laughs> right now we're experiencing the judgment of God, and we need the Lord to show mercy. And we to need us. To, we're, show we're crying out for mercy and compassion, saying, "Son of David, don't mercy. pass me by. <laughs> have mercy on us, Son of David." Yes. Oh my we're, gosh. This is a. It's just a strange, strange time right now. I don't know. One thing that I, I'm i kind of worried, and I'm not worried about, scared of happening is uh, people, because that, that, those passage, uh, those scriptures are getting thrown around everywhere. You see it all over Instagram, all over Facebook, all, all over Facebook, social media. Yes. And the one thing that is crazy, or that I'm, I'm trying to be intentional about asking people is... Why are you posting that? Because uh, I don't want people to repent because they're worried about dying. I want people to have a godly sorrow that leads to repentance, yes. not to be repented of. Yeah. And uh, a relationship of love, yeah. rather than not to be fear. not to be peer pressured into posting a random Bible verse, yeah, and that, then encouraging everybody else around you, which is good. I mean, you can have impact in that manner, yes. but 
if you're not impacting yourself, if that scripture doesn't mm-hmm. really impact you and you're just doing it because your friends are doing it, yeah. man, that's like a dangerous spot to be in. Yeah. The motive matters, man. God knows the, the heart. And that's in fact, true. That's the, that's the... Jeremiah. No, that's also the Jesus root of sin. If you yeah. look at it, it's it's based on it's based on your heart. Like, what you're doing doesn't matter. doesn't matter much. If you look at a woman with adultery in your or with lust in your heart you've committed adultery. And then comparatively yeah. at the same time if you give if you give 2 cents and it you it means a lot to you compared to a guy who can give $20 and it means little to him, the 2 cents is worth more than the the $20 kind of thing. Like that's yeah. what Jesus breaks that down with the the woman, you the know. The widow, yeah. Yeah, and so like the heart the heart matters, folks. And so I think that's one of the that's one of the things that's getting called out in this time is we were we were putting on the appearance that the world was a okay, mm-hmm. and it it wasn't. And so now, especially that we're isolated, we're going to be using this time to like tune to our self image and be like, well, let's fix this and like let's fix that back up, you know, because that kind of came uncovered and disheveled for a little bit. But at the same time, it's not the image that God cares about. That's the the image that you put on for the world has no eternal value. Yeah. It's yeah. the it's the it's the underneath. So don't be busy making sure it, it looks all pretty on the app. Polishing a turd does you no good <laughs> at the end of the day, folks. So like it's still a turd. Yeah, yeah. Get get the get the poop out of there and just you know, get get to the gold because like trying to make the mud look nice the prettiest of mud is still uglier than the ugliest of gold, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just like Pharaoh. He uh, he told Israel a few times where if you do a cool little study from God's strategy in human history, it's in the appendix. Um, if you want to read the full thing, shameless plug, shameless plug. Uh, but that word for harden, if you look in the con- in the context of the whole Old Testament, it really means strengthen. So it what it essentially means whatever is inside is going to be, God's going to strengthen your heart so that you could do what your heart desires, essentially. So Pharaoh, he told them, hey, I'm going to let you go, Israel, to go sacrifice. And then sometimes Pharaoh um, strengthened his heart to keep with that, uh, the meaning behind it. Uh, and then sometimes it says God strengthened his heart, which is the word harden in most translations. And uh, Pharaoh never truly had gold on the inside it's just like he's like yeah i'm trying to polish this hurt i'm scared that uh for the country so i'm gonna let you go and then god strengthened his heart so that he could like the deep desires in his heart he could uh have the the strength to do them so uh god's not concerned with polishing a turd just like jared (laughs) said he really wants genuine repentance and that's what he was trying to get out of pharaoh but it didn't happen um and it's, it's interesting because the things that we like the things that we expect God to inflict the judgment and the suffering on us we often expect it to be something more righteous than what we are like we expect you know the bad man the good man is the one that enacts punishment on the bad man but that's not how it works biblically and in fact sometimes God will flip it just to call to attention how bad it is like that's what happened with Babylon is Babylon was definitely in a worse state than Israel was. But God's like, they at least know that they're there. <laughs> they know that they're not serving me right now. Like, And they're honest about it. He's like, so I'm going to use them 
to judge you guys. It's just you guys were the judgment to the guys before you. And so it's it's interesting because like a lot of the times we'll have someone give us a genuine like correction or like reproof in some way. I'll be like, well, you actually deal with this, this, and that, so I don't know why I should listen to you on this. That doesn't make what they're saying any less true. Like, the judgment, the knowledge is still there. Sure, that means they have to work on their stuff as well. But at the same time, like, you're not concerned about the... everything going wrong. The only thing that you can fix about that's going wrong in the world is your part of it. <laughs> so, like, you're, you, you can have concern for everything else, but you can't have control over anything else, so deal with the part that you have control over first, you know, so, and it's just, it's just interesting, because, like, right now, we see all this stuff going around with, like, the virus, and this, and that, and you're like, well, like, if God, if this is really God's judgment, God would have it be done in a more merciful and righteous way, but it's like, who are you to, who are you to say what's mercy and yeah. what's justice? Yeah. And what's grace in the face of all these evils, you know? Yeah. And then in that in the Chronicles verse again, if my people people is made up of a bunch of individuals. Um so it's it's not just like a whole group but a a bunch of individual people repenting. Um so and Peter says you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a peculiar people, um, so that you can proclaim the praises of him who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once a people without identity, but now you have an identity. So now we know that verse from Chronicles applies to us because of that verse in Second Peter chapter t- or Second uh, Peter, First Peter two ten. Um, we have identity as God's people now. So it's not just something that happened in the Old Covenant. It applies to us today, too. Yeah. Dude, I'd love to do... I'd love to do a podcast at some point about what still holds from the Old Covenant and what doesn't... That's Sorry, that's another interesting topic, but that's for another We'll time. get there on another day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got enough on our hands now, so... We got more than enough. Mm-hmm. Jeez. And there's not even enough to keep going. That's there's true. way too much. Way too much to keep going. Yeah. Because we, we never even got to... One of the things we really wanted to talk about was... We may get into it a little bit. Distinguishing grace from mercy was another interesting... That could be next week. Yeah. It's already at like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, 30... Going on 34. Yeah, we got six minutes left. So I guess Wait, maybe... 40 minutes? Yeah, roughly. Oh. So I think what we may want to do here is just kind of break down like kind of what we're hoping to see happen in this time of suffering because like God has an intended purpose for this time of suffering like God God does not inflict needless suffering like every every cost that he has us incurs for some gain in his kingdom and so like I guess it'd be interesting to just think about like what we like just I guess speak some encouragement in this and be like what do we think is going to be like the fruit born from this time of sowing the seeds? Yeah. So what's going to happen, in my view, is that there's going to be a holy consecration of God's people, a renewing of the spirit, a renewing of the the church in general, and that there will be fruit born out of this, kind of like uh, basically a hundred years ago in the Spanish flu and in the Great War or World War One or whatever you want to call it. Right, you had you know, you had evangelists come out of that, 
And the same thing's going to happen here. I think there's going to be enough people who who consecrate and purify and get refined in God's fire that there might just be just might be um the first moves of another major, you know, move of God. You never know. You know, we don't know God's thoughts, but you know, we're that's what we're hoping that's for. That's what we're hoping for. It's like, what... Lord, show us your heart in this, and you know, in this suffering where where people are genuinely suffering mm-hmm. and and dying, and honestly, like going hungry in a country that has never really gone hungry in a long time. Um, and then we just got, like I said, we've gotten used to being comfortable with you know being able to freely go to the store whenever we want, or go out and eat, or go hang out now it's like oh crap like we really can't do that anymore um but honestly to bring it back it's like like the refining of gold raw gold or raw, raw silver into like purified gold and purified silver in the in in the hearts of of Christians who genuinely love God who are spirit led and God fearing I think that's really going to happen and I also think that there're going to be a lot of people that come to the Lord through this event as well yeah I mean that's what we got to be praying for, right? Not that God would restore us to our comfort, which if He could, that would be nice. But like, if He restored us to His comfort, and that there was it, yeah, there won't, there won't be much learning. Yeah, if we restored us to your comfort without anything else happening, this suffering would be, by its very definition, meaningless suffering because we would just be back where we started. So we got to be praying that God will be doing more and working more through what that. Not only would there be a restoration, but also a growth. A redemption through through the time this time of suffering of I guess refinement would be a good word you know through that crucible just getting it down to the all the impurities out all the things that we want to make us comfortable. Hey, but one thing we know certain Jesus suffered suffered all the sins on that cross. Mm-hmm. So no suffering is unbearable when you have Him with you and by your side. And him leading you by his right hand. There's nothing like it. You could be physically dying and still be in the present glory of God. And when you're at that state where you're like, Lord, I don't care if I have an ailment. I just want to be with you. You're in a good place. You're in a really good place. Mm -hmm. So be strong in these harrowing times. These trying times. These trying times. Go to your rooftops and... These fun times. (laughs) And sing and preach and worship, you know. We don't know what the next week will bring. But when you abide in His presence, you don't have to worry about what the next week will bring. So stay strong. Stay strapped with the Word of God. And Ryan's got a closing verse for us. Uh, in Colossians too, it says uh, Paul's talking to the. It's he's writing to the church at Colossae, and he says, "I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea, and for many other believers who've never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ Himself, and Him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." Um, so we can still cry out on behalf of each other and intercede for each other to get through these times and to stay knit together, just like David and Jonathan were. Um, Amen. No, that's it. God's got this, and uh, good night.
All right, y'all. Take it easy. We will see you next week.